Good morning and welcome to Roadmap to Heaven here on Covenant Network. I'm Adam Wright with you on this Monday, April 4th. It is so good to be with you today. As we do in all things, let us begin our day in prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. O Jesus, through the Immaculate Heart of Mary, I offer you my prayers, works, joys, and sufferings of this day for all the intentions of your Sacred Heart in union with the holy sacrifice of the Mass throughout the world, in reparation for my sins, for the intentions of all my relatives and friends, and in particular for the intentions of the Holy Father. Amen. We dedicate all of our thoughts, words, and actions to the greater glory of God in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, it is very good to be with you on this Monday morning. It was a great weekend. I want to say a special word of thanks to everyone who joined us in praying the rosary and thanksgiving for our priests on Saturday. And I'll let you in on a little secret here. If you forgot, if you uh, don't know what we're talking about or you want to pray a rosary again for priests, here's the good news. You can every day. Every day you can include our priests and you can pray in thanksgiving for their vocations, um, in your daily rosary intentions and your daily prayer intentions. So I would encourage you to Keep doing that. It was a great day. As you know or may know, the Rosary for Priests was born out of my endeavor to do a 5K and trying to focus my training and the day itself, the actual walk itself, for the intention, uh, again, Thanksgiving for our priests. Well, I have to tell you, it was a little brisk Saturday morning, but it was a beautiful morning. The sun was out, the uh, the crowd gathered, and it was one of those times, you know, you have to be prepared going into it. And I'm not just talking about the training, but that question of what are you going to wear. And you don't want to wear too much because if, if you get too hot, you know, if you wear a coat and then you get too hot, where are you going to put your coat? There's no coat rack along the race course. Um, but if you're too cold, then you're going to be really cold beforehand. So it was a little brisk, but all in all, a good race. We prayed our rosary. It took us less than, I would say less than a mile, because I know we were past the half mile marker when we started it, and we finished it by the time we got to the two and a half mile marker. So that was our pace. We were about a rosary a mile, right? And uh, eight, actually 18 minute miles. So it was, it was a pretty good pace for our first one, my personal best, right? One insight I took away from it is a lot of people said, well, you know, you just did 18-minute miles. That's not much. And I would say this. When we're endeavoring to begin something new and something good, it's not the fact that we didn't finish in first place. That doesn't bother me at all. It's the fact that we we had our first race, the fact that we, we got going with it. So I want to encourage you with this. Um, number one, if you want to do a 5K, well, check with your physician, make sure you're in proper health for it, because I learned that too during the training here, that there were some things I needed to be careful of uh, that my physician pointed out. But number two, spiritual disciplines, spiritual exercises. You know, the most important thing we're going to focus on in the show is not Adam Wright running 5K, it's us growing in holiness. And if you're not praying the rosary every day, you know when a good time to start is today. Let today be the first day that you pray the rosary every day because it doesn't matter what tomorrow will bring if you don't pray the rosary today so focus on today get through today we are at the tail end 
of Lent now. We have this week, and then Sunday will be Palm Sunday of the Lord's Passion, and then we're in Holy Week, and then Easter will be here. We have a great opportunity to really push ourselves. You know, the, the race course layout for this 5K was great because we did all of our uphill in the first half of the race. And I have to tell you that by the time we got to the highest elevation, which we only went up about 100, 125 feet total throughout the course of the race, by the time we got to the highest elevation, I was really starting to have some doubts because I'm, you know, I'm not in the greatest of shape. But we got there and we did it. Now, it might seem like Lent has been a long time, and I really want that thing that I gave up as my Lenten penance. We are at the top of the hill. We can see the finish line. We need to stick with it. We need to keep moving forward. Now is not the time to give up. Today on the show, we are going to talk with Father Jeff Kirby about questions and doubts and the difference between the two. Do you ever have a question about our faith? I know I sure do. do. Uh, we're also going to hear from John Martinoni. You know, I like talking to John because he takes some of these common scriptural fallacies that exist out in the world and he helps us break them open. Have you ever heard someone say, why do you call your priest father? Because Jesus says in the gospel, call no man father. Well, we're going to talk about that a little bit later on in the show as well. And we've got some words today from Father Mark Goring. But before we get to any of that, let us go to Mike Roberts now for a check of the weather. Today is the feast day of St. Isidore of Seville, Doctor of the Church. Born in Spain in 560, he came from a family that included three other siblings, Leander, Fulgentius, and Florentina, all of whom would become revered saints themselves. He was educated in the classical Roman tradition by his older brother, whom he succeeded as the Bishop of Seville. Dedicated to his intellectual pursuits in writing, he wrote a dictionary, history books, and an encyclopedia that would be used for the next 900 years. Isidore helped build seminaries in every diocese in Spain and founded schools that taught every branch of learning. Eventually, he became known as the schoolmaster of the Middle Ages and set the standard for subsequent theologians. Arian Goths, who believed that Christ was not God, occupied Spain in the 5th and 6th centuries, and that divided the country. Isidore used his knowledge to evangelize and reunite Spain, making it a center of culture and learning, a country that would serve as a model for other European countries whose culture was also being threatened by barbarian invaders. He died in 636 at the age of 76 and was named patron saint of the internet by St. Pope John Paul II. St. Isidore, please pray for us. I'm meteorologist Mike Roberts for Covenant Network. Have a blessed day. You know, I wanted to have a really, 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 really good catechist question for you today, but I'm going to be honest with you. We actually don't have a really good catechist question for you today. As such, I don't actually have a catechist question for you today. But I want to share with you one of the things that I've been thinking about in these last few weeks here of Lent. I mean, I suppose the question could be this. The act of Christ dying, suffering and dying on the cross, was that a human act? An offering of his human life or an offering of the divine life. 
and I ask that because you know we're, we all wrestle at some point with that that quote from not Dismas the good thief, but the thief on the other side. If you were God, surely you could save yourself. You know that Jesus could snap his fingers. I don't even know if he'd have to snap his fingers, but he could have avoided the crucifixion. You know, we we heard about that in the gospel recently that the crowds came for him, and it wasn't yet the time, and they were going to throw him off a cliff, and he just walked away right through the crowd as if he was invisible to them. You know, I don't know the particulars. I wasn't there. So why does he have to be crucified? And in thinking about this question and thinking about how could we phrase a, a catechist question for you today, I came upon this passage from Theology for Beginners by Frank Sheed, in which he says, For the act by which Christ redeemed us was a holy human act. The life he offered as a sacrifice was his human life. An offering of the divine life would have been meaningless. The suffering was in his soul and body. The death was the separation of his soul and body. In him, humanity gave its all, holding back nothing. Here was a total obedience as against the disobedience of Manson, a total acceptance and self-surrender as against the thrust and self-assertion of man's sins. And this was all, and all this was wholly human in nature. You know, uh, Frank Sheed goes on to say that we can say that had he chosen some offering less than his life, there would have been a permanent feeling in the mind of man, not dissatisfaction exactly, but not total satisfaction either. We should have been left with the sense that in our redemption, Christ's human nature had played only a token part leaving the infinity of the divine person to do the whole work, whereas he chose that his human nature should give its all, leaving the person to provide only the infinite value which human nature by itself could never provide. There's a lot going on there, and I'm going to be honest with you. I don't fully understand all of it, but I'm asking those questions today, and that is the important thing is to say, Lord, I want to know. I want to understand. Help my unbelief. And we're going to talk more about that later on in the show. What does that mean when we don't understand something fully? So I hope you pardon us in lieu of a catechist question today. We uh, we asked a question of ourselves. We're going to take a very quick break. When we come back, John Martinoni will be with us. You're listening to Roadmap to Heaven. Stay tuned. We are back. You're listening to Roadmap to Heaven here on Covenant Network, and we recently were able to have John Martinoni on the show with us. He is the founder and president of the Bible Christian Society, in addition to his work as director of evangelization in the Diocese of Birmingham. We were talking about you know, why it's so important to have a good foundation in the authority of the Church when we start to read Scripture and look at what's going on there, and I thought, well, you know, there's so many errors out there that people, you know, myself included at at certain points in life, have gotten wrong about what Scripture says, or we have those questions that we should have John back on to debunk some of the uh, common misconceptions, misperceptions out there. So, John, so good to have you back with us. Well, it's so good to be with you, Adam. I appreciate the invite. Oh, we, we love it. Now, we're going to look today at, at a passage that's very confusing. It's Matthew chapter 23, verse 9. Very simply, the, the verse says, Call no man father. And yet, here in our Catholic Church, uh, we have lots of priests who we address as father. And, and there are those out there in the world that raise an issue with that, John. So what is it we need to know? Well, the first thing you need to know is that right before 
It says, call no man father, which many, uh, many Protestants will point to Catholics and question Catholics and say, you know, you guys are doing something contrary to Scripture because you call your priest father. And it says, call no man father. Well, right before that, in, in verse 8, it says, but you are not to be called rabbi, for you have one teacher. Rabbi means teacher. So if we put that in English, but you are not to be called teacher, for you have one teacher, and you are all brethren, and call no man your father on earth. So I asked people who, who accused me of going against Scripture by calling my priest father, I said, well, what did you call the person who taught you in second grade, and third grade, and fourth grade, and high school, and college? You know, teacher? Oh, wait a minute, you're going contrary to Scripture. Well, no, no. Well, that's number one. You know, the context here is everything, and I'll get to the context of this passage in a minute. But again, call no man on earth your father. I'll say, well, you know, that we've got a commandment. It says, honor your father and your mother. How can you say call no man father when the commandment says to honor your father? Oh, well, that's talking biological father in the commandment, but the scripture says call no man your spiritual father. It's like, Oh, really? That, that word spiritual, I don't see that anywhere in there. And they go, well, that's what it means. Oh, that's what it means, but that's not actually what it says. So you've got to point that out. It doesn't make a distinction between spiritual father and biological father. But let's say for the sake of, the, of argument, okay, difference between spiritual father and biological father. Well, then they still have a problem, because... What's going on elsewhere in Scripture? Well, in Acts chapter 7, verse 1, Stephen, who's the first Christian martyr, right before he's martyred, he says to the gathered, to the Jewish leaders and authority around him, brethren and fathers. They're not his biological father. He's calling them spiritual fathers. You know, Adam, it makes me question, didn't Stephen know he wasn't supposed to call them the spiritual father. You know, but then you got Paul in Acts 22, verse 1. Same thing. He's speaking to a group of Jewish religious leaders. He says, brethren and fathers. So he calls them spiritual father. And then in, in Romans chapter 4, Paul is talking about Abraham being the father of not just the circumcised, which would be the Israelites or the Jews at that point in time, but also the father of the uncircumcised, the Gentiles. Well, Abraham could not be said to be a biological forefather of the Gentiles. So over and over again in Scripture, we have instances where, where Paul, Stephen, and then even Jesus uses the term father in more of a spiritual sense than a biological sense. So this argument against Catholics calling their priest father, you know, because of Matthew 23, 9, is specious. But then people say, okay, so what is he saying then? Well, if you go and read the rest of Matthew 23, Jesus rips the scribes and Pharisees up one side and down the other. He calls them liars, blind guides, whitewashed tombs, children of hell, sons of murderers. Why? Why does he do that? Because they are pointing people to them to themselves instead of to God the Father. They're pointing people to themselves as fathers rather than God the Father. So they're usurping God's fatherhood, and they're 
pulling people away from the true father, pointing to false fathers. So the context is, do not call anyone on earth a father if they are pulling you away from the father. So that's what's going on here. So you've got all sorts of arguments from, you know, Scripture, from what Jesus says in Scripture, from what Paul says, what Stephen says, that shows that this, this you know, interpreting Matthew 23 as this absolute prohibition against calling anyone your spiritual father, and thus Catholics should not call their priest father, well, that's just completely bogus argument, completely unsupported by, not just unsupported by logic and common sense, but unsupported by Scripture as well. Well, John, I don't know about you, but I'm going to say this. As someone who is not a Scripture scholar, if I'm looking at the situation, and on one side of things are St. Paul and St. Stephen the Proto-Martyr, and on the other side of things is uh, Adam Wright standing over there, I might say, you know, this this could be a good occasion to re-examine where I'm at, because I don't know that I want to be on the other side of the issue from uh, St. Paul and St. Stephen. You know, not exactly. To, you know, <laughs> I'm just the guy here, John. Um, so I, I want to thank you for this. Friends, we, uh, we can call our priest Father. That's the moral of the story, especially because they are leading us to the Father. So this has been a great opportunity to understand what Scripture is really saying. For more, be sure to check out the Bible Christian Society and John Martinoni. John, I want to, well, let's ask you really quick, what's the web address if people want to know more? BibleChristianSociety.com. Got all sorts of audio materials, written materials, and it's pretty much almost all free. The DVDs aren't free, but everything else is free. BibleChristianSociety.com. All right, you heard it there, BibleChristianSociety.com, for more on what the Scriptures are saying to us. John Martinoni, we look forward to the next time. Friends, you are listening to Roadmap to Heaven. We will be back in just a few moments. We are back. You are listening to Roadmap to Heaven, and as we have moved into the month of April, I'm getting ready. I'm getting ready for Holy Week. I'm getting ready for the Easter Vigil. I'm, I'm making my preparations now. There's some logistics that have to happen, whether it's going to seven different altars of repose on Holy Thursday after the Mass of the Lord's Supper or timing out the kids' naps so they can stay awake for the Easter Vigil. There's a lot to plan for. Every year, though, in the spiritual preparation, not the logistical, but the spiritual, I'm always struck by one of the prayers that we will hear when we renew our baptismal promises, whether we go to the Easter Vigil or to Mass on Easter Sunday morning. After we make that renewal of baptismal promises, Father will say, this is our faith. This is the faith of the Church. We are proud to profess it in Christ Jesus our Lord. And it's always a very stirring moment for me, kind of like when the, the, the Cardinals are rallying in the ninth inning and you know that if they get that base hit, they, the game's going to be won, and it's one of those yes moments. But it's not always like that. Sometimes we might have doubts. Sometimes doubts creep into our mind, and what do we do when that happens? Well, I could think of no one better to talk to than frequent contributor to Roadmap to Heaven, Father Jeffrey Kirby. Father, good morning to you. Good morning, Adam. It's good to be on the show. It's always good to have you here. So this is that, I love that prayer. This is our faith. This is the faith of the Church. We are proud to profess it in Christ Jesus our Lord. But I know that for all of us, at some point or another, there's going to be something about our faith 
that we don't understand. And it might be, for some of our listeners today, a very uh, intricate teaching of the faith, a very complex teaching, you know, advanced level catechism. For others, it might be something basic. Why does the church teach that we can't use contraception? Why does the church have its teachings about marriage and human sexuality and all of these things? And sometimes people would say, well, don't question it, just follow it. And I I get worried about that, Father, because I think back to high school where they taught us that our study of theology at its core is really faith-seeking understanding. So let's start here. We don't understand something. We've got a doubt. What do we do? Yes, yes. So first, uh, that that situation you described, Adam, where someone says, you know, uh, don't try to think it out. Uh, Don't ask questions. Uh, Just accept it, you know. We have to be careful of that because if you push that a little bit farther, that falls into what our tradition calls fideism, which is the you know the, the total uh, denouncing of reason and and just accepting blind faith. That that's not our tradition. Contrary to what uh, secular people might might think, no, our our faith, as you described, seeks understanding. Faith complements reason. Reason serves faith. So we should ask questions. We we should seek to go deeper, to, to have a fuller understanding so that we can give even more of our hearts. I mean, you know, the spiritual maxim, you can only love what you know. <laughs> well, how do we know something? You know, well, we ask questions. We, we want to dive more into it. We, we give some small challenges. We, you know, we, we want to understand, and it's by understanding that we can then more greatly love. So I think love compels us to ask questions and sometimes to make things uncomfortable as we try to grow in our knowledge. I love that. Love compels us to ask questions. It makes me think of one of my my favorite songs. Um, I heard it some years back. I was working with the music ministry in the parish, and we were getting ready for a youth retreat. They said, could you learn some of these songs? And this one line jumped out. It, it said, my doubts and fears don't scare you. You're bigger than I thought you were. And it, it was this wonderful plea from the heart saying, Lord, I don't understand this. And, and, and it quoted that great line from the gospel, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. Um, help me to understand the things that I don't know. And it was that great reminder that, you know, God is the fullness of truth. He's not scared of a question that says, well, ex- ex- explain the truth, because he is the truth. But, you know, th- that doesn't mean that we, we sit here and say, well, God will explain it in his time. We have resources available. We have an intellect that God gave us to start in our search for truth. So, Father, you do a lot of catechesis in your parish. Where do you direct people when they, when they say, I want to know more about what the church teaches? Where is Catechism 101 start us out at? Yeah, yes, so First, whenever people start to ask that question, I, as we're doing uh, in this conversation, to, to kind of put things in context. So, for example, uh, St. Paul, the great St. Paul, after his conversion, uh, we are told that uh, he tells us in his letter to the Galatians in the New Testament that after his conversion with the Lord, he went into the desert of Arabia for three years and, and asked a lot of questions, <laughs> you know, and, and, and taught some answers. And we're told again by him in his letter to Galatians that after those three years, he went and he sought out Simon Peter, chief apostle, and he sat at his feet for 15 days, he tells us, and he learned the faith. So all the questions he had, all the wrestling that he did in the desert, Paul then comes and then seeks wisdom. So I think in similar fashion, like, we, we ask those who are more seasoned in the ways of the Lord. We, we seek wisdom and help from, of course, priests, deacons, but, but also, like, you know, for young people, their parents grandparents, uh, for other people in the parish who are more 
seasons in the Lord. So these can be people who are in professional ministry. These can be people who are, are parish leaders, maybe in a volunteer status, but, but very much serving the Lord. So I think just finding these mentors that are reliable and are are you know having and it's clearly visible that they have this relationship with the Lord. So I think that's one step. Also, I don't you know uh, Pope um, Pope John Paul II, of course, was always talking about faith and reason. This complement between the two. There's a big joke about Pope John Paul II. They say he always tried to find a connection with everyone. There's a joke and says that if he talked to a cannibal, he would say, "Yes, you're right. We need a daily dose of protein, but." Should we look at different ways of finding the protein? <laughs> you know, I mean, he he would always be looking for for some bridge, some connection. And I think that when we find ourselves questioning, uh, we should try to find that bridge. Who can understand? Who can help address this uh, in, in the best possible way? So a mentor, but again, a, a reliable one, uh, not simply in terms of, of the faith, but also in terms of where we are. You know, so because there are some people who can be great disciples, but they can't help us temperament, personality, age, whatever it might be. But also, I want to highlight something that should give us great consolation in our tradition. Uh, St. Uh, John Henry Newman, great intellect, probably the greatest theologian of the 19th century, uh, said simply, a thousand questions do not equal one doubt. And, and I want to emphasize that because, you know, a doubt is something where you get to the point where you stop asking questions and you say, I don't believe this, Right. But that's the opposite of asking questions. In fact, we ask questions so we don't doubt, you know? So I think we, we find the mentors, we find the ones that are reliable, the ones that connect with us, and then we go to the sources that the Church has given to us, the sacred scriptures. I mentioned the letters to the Galatians. St. Paul is telling us his own spiritual journey, but also the Catechism of the Catholic Church. Adam, I love the Catechism of the Catholic Church, and I remember a time where we didn't have it. And I, I try to tell the younger generation when I'm teaching... Uh, especially with uh, to the youth, uh, this is a great gift. <laughs> you can look, and in this one volume are all of the substantial teachings of our faith. You don't have to be in doubt. You don't have to be confused. You don't have to you know act as if you're an orphan out in the dark. No, you're a child of God. There's a lamp unto our feet. So use these sources given to us by the Holy Spirit through the Church. Well, and and taking that one step further, even better. Now we also have these this wonderful tool called the internet where instead of going to the index in the back of the catechism, as I used to have to do, or to go to a concordance, you can just go to your search engine and type Catechism of the Catholic Church and then the topic or keyword that you're trying to find information on, and it's going to pull up every paragraph, boom, 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 that you need to go look at. And, and Father, I think of two wonderful books that I go to all the time, Catholic Christianity by Dr. Peter Kreeft, which I, I think does a great job of making the catechism accessible. If you're overwhelmed thinking it's like drinking water from a fire hose, that's a great book. And then uh, the, the wonderful classic, Theology for Beginners by Frank Sheed. What a wonderful book that is for helping understand the catechism. Now, Father, you mentioned doubts, and this is another area I want to get to because I think with questions and saying, Lord, I don't understand this, but I want to understand this, there is a humility present that says, even if I don't understand it, I recognize that God is God and that I am not God and that I would do well to align myself with him as we we spoke about a, a few interviews back in February. And yet then there's doubt, especially in this post-Christian age we live in. It makes me think back to Genesis. You know, I can almost hear the the serpent saying to Eve, you don't you don't really believe that. 
do you? <laughs> do, do you really believe that, Eve, that if you eat that apple, that's what's going to happen? And our culture does this all of the time. This is a very dangerous trap for us. Why is that? Yes, yes. I think that, you know, and in popular jargon, we have to be careful because doubt can sometimes be presented as a synonym for questioning. And I just want to draw that distinction again that, you know, questioning is, is seeking understanding. It's a, it's a good thing. It's a healthy thing. It's an act of love. Doubt is when the questions stop, and suddenly there's suspicion or skepticism. And that's it. The heart is closed. Um, I don't believe this. I will not accept this. There's more of a defiance. Yes, you can imagine, for example, the person who says they, they struggle with the teachings of the Church. Say they struggle with the Church's teachings on contraception or capital punishment or, you know, whatever it might be. And imagine the one disciple who says, I'm going to keep asking questions, asking for resources, because I, I, I want the graces of conversion. I want to understand why the Church would teach this. What, what is the divine wisdom here, right? And they're asking questions, they're pushing, and they're challenging, and, and, and they really want and are praying for these graces of conversion. That's very different than the person who says, nah, that's stupid. I don't, that, that, I don't know why the Church teaches that. The Church is wrong, right? And, and in the moral realm, we have to be careful, because not only is that a doubt, but that becomes the intellectual sin of pride. Do you know that I'm not even going to learn? I don't need to learn. And what's behind that is this spirit of rationalism, which is, I will only believe what I can immediately understand. I mean, that is such a small world. <laughs> you know, I will only believe what I can immediately understand. It's like, what? Like, I would never restrict my life to such a small realm of existence. Like, so, no, it's like, I think that we have allowed ourselves to live in this world of doubt. Uh, it's prevalent in our world. We doubt everything. We doubt everyone. Uh, it, it's amazing that we can even love <laughs> when we allow a culture of doubt. But we see that. The spirit of questioning is vastly different because it really is the heart that's yearning, the heart that wants to accept, wants to understand, wants to give what St. Paul calls the obedience of faith. And, of course, that faith needs the help of reason to, to understand so I, I want to, as we're doing this conversation, just distinguish between doubt and questioning. Like questioning is good. Uh, the Catechism of the Catholic Church warns us about doubt. Voluntary doubt is the death of faith. You have to be very careful. I'm glad you bring that up. You know, I, I think of St. Paul in his letter to the Corinthians. It's a passage we've all heard. We all, you know, at a lot of weddings, I'm sure, we, we focus on the, the love part of it. But I love the passage that says, Now we see indistinctly as if in a mirror, but soon we shall see face to face. And, you know, I think that's really at the core. It's, I, I'm seeing kind of the blurred vision right now. I don't have the full, clear picture, but I want the full, clear picture. And that's a good thing. And that's questioning. Doubt saying, if I understand you correctly, Doubt is saying, yeah, I don't know that I'm going to worry about that because really, I don't understand it. Is that really true? I, you know what? I'm, I'm just going to go ahead and use contraception. I'm going to go ahead and eat meat on a Friday in Lent. I'm going to go ahead and uh, you know pick, pick your moral vice and say, I'm not going to worry about that because I, I, I doubt that teaching's true. I don't think that's true. And I'm glad that you remind us that that is the, the beginning of the death of faith when we engage in voluntary doubt. So, Finally, Father, I, I want to ask this question, and we're, we're almost out of time here, but I think back to a, a children's television special we used to watch every year when I was a kid, and uh, Oscar the Grouch posed a question to Big Bird. How's this going to happen? And Big Bird could not figure out the he, – he could not understand how it would happen. And so he soon began to worry that it would not happen because he didn't understand it. 
And lo and behold, the situation in question, it happens exactly as it should have and everybody's shocked. And of course, everybody's mad at Oscar the Grouch because of all the trouble he caused. Um, That's going to happen to us. That as we seek to understand God's ways, especially knowing God's ways are not our ways, there's going to come a point where we just are not going to understand in this earthly life why the truth is the truth or, or why one aspect of our faith is the way it is. But we can't doubt it. We can't ignore it. So what do we do at that point? Yes, yes, I think that's where, you know, authentically nurturing reason, we, we do make the act of faith. So, you know, we say that faith is not against reason, but faith is above reason. So we call it supernatural, so super is above natural's nature, so it's above our nature. It's the one of the ways in which we participate in the life of God. We use our reason, we ask questions, but then there do come times when, you know, we, we've, we've tried to ask the questions, we're still trying to, we're struggling, we're trying to understand that's an important process that we need to persevere in. But in the end, we say, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Lord, I, I, I know that you are the way, the truth, and the life. I want to follow you. I, I, I want to give my heart to you in this, and I just ask you to help me. So I think that, you know, these acts of faith are also important, as we desire the real grace of conversion. Like, why does the Church teach that? Why, why is the Gospel, you know, call this from me? Uh, and, and the person who, in the midst of that wrestling match, that struggle is willing to say, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. Yeah, it takes me back to uh, paraphrase St. Paul in his letter to the Hebrews. Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. And, and you know, that is faith. Sometimes we're n- going to hope for it to be true. We're not going to understand it. We're not going to see how it could be true, but we have to have faith. Father, this has been a, a very enlightening conversation for me. I wonder, could you close our time together with a prayer, please? Absolutely. Let us pray. Lord, we ask that you let your face shine upon us. May you teach us. May you keep our hearts always open to your truth. May you guide us along your way. May Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Father Jeffrey Kirby, thank you for being with us once again on Roadmap to Heaven. Friends, we're going to take a break. Stay tuned for more. Well, we're not fooling around. It's the first full week of April, and we are wrapping up the season of Lent, but we're not finished yet. Here to encourage us in this season is Patty Schneier. And, Patty, I'm looking forward to today's topic because it's not what I was expecting this season of Lent. Well, normally during the season of Lent, of course, we've talked about sacrifice. We've talked about the Stations of the Cross. We've talked about many typical Lenten topics. But this week, I want to focus on the Holy Spirit. I want to focus on the Holy Spirit for two reasons. First reason is that we need the Holy Spirit to help us to persevere to the finish line of Lent. You know, by this point in our Lenten promises, many of us kind of we've been facing those temptations and it's and it's hard to continue and get all the way to Holy Week with our Lenten promises. So I'm going to talk about that. But the second reason I want to talk about the Holy Spirit in advance of the Easter season that will be upon us soon is it will be confirmation season soon. And I want to give some people throughout the week some ideas of things to prepare for that season that'll be coming upon us. So just plan ahead. So today, let's talk about the Holy Spirit a little bit. The first thing I want to share with people is a quote that I have found very beneficial in my own life. And it's from Ephesians 1. And it's starting with verse three, blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavens. I love that when I realize that God has already equipped us for everything that we need. And how does he do it? He does it through his Holy Spirit. We have been anointed. We have been equipped for every good work 
through our baptism and confirmation. But I think most of us don't tap into that. We don't realize, we don't consider ourselves anointed. We think that's for other people. No, we are all anointed with the power of the Holy Spirit. So we have been blessed with every spiritual blessing through the Holy Spirit in the heavens. So it's all been given. We just have to tap into it. So what I want to just encourage people today to do is to just rely more Think about the Holy Spirit more. Rely more on the Holy Spirit. One of the most powerful prayers we can ever pray is so simple. Come, Holy Spirit. It's quick, but it's powerful, and it's instant aid. The Holy Spirit is there for us just for the asking. So when you feel tempted during Lent to maybe eat something or to do something that is wrong, pray to the Holy Spirit. It's very quick. Just say, come Holy Spirit, come Holy Spirit. It's instant aid. Don't forget about it. Again, God gives us everything that we need. We just got to start tapping in to all the graces that he's been given to us. It's a great encouragement for us today. Come Holy Spirit. Patty, thank you so much. Well, there you have it. There you have it, friends. And I, you know, I think those last two things go very well together. When you have a question that can't be answered, pray to the Holy Spirit. You know, all of us receive in our confirmation that gift of wisdom, understanding, knowledge, counsel, piety, fear of the Lord. Um, more on that, more on that later this week, I believe. Anyway, pray for understanding, pray come Holy Spirit. I do want to remind you that there is the St. Louis Marian Conference coming up in May and registration is now open. Speakers this year include Father Don Calloway from, well, you've heard him when we talked about the consecration of St. Joseph. He he talks about the rosary. He's a wonderful speaker about the the Holy Rosary. Father Wade Menezes, who you hear on the show, uh, here on Roadmap to Heaven and also on Open Line Tuesdays, and our own beloved Monsignor Eugene Morris are among the speakers. So for more information, visit www.stlmc.org. That's STL is in St. Louis, MC is in Marian Conference, stlmc.org, and you can find everything there. May 13th through the 15th, I will be there. I am looking forward to it, and I look forward to meeting Many of you there as well, so please do consider joining us. Well, we have we're just going, we're going, but please do consider joining and attending the St. Louis Marian Conference. Don't forget, you've got one last chance this Friday to get to your parish fish fry. I know we've taken a couple of weeks off here because of life events and whatnot and other needs, but this week I, I intend to take the kids. We're going to go to one last fish fry this season of Lent, and it's a great opportunity to support our parishes, so don't forget to do that. And I just want to leave you with this encouragement today. Let today be the day you set out to do something new that is good for you. You know, I never would have participated in this 5K race that I did this past weekend had my coworker Marianne not said to me, Adam, you're all talk. It's time to, to put your money where your mouth is. Sign up for a 5K, and I'll even do it with you so that you don't have to do it alone. And sure enough, for my first one, Marianne was right there by my side. We were praying the rosary for you out on the course. And, uh, you know, I may have finished 500, and I think it was like 552nd out of 609. Um, you know, I, I was definitely at the tail end of the pack there. 
But we did it, and I'm ready to sign up for my next one. And so, as I said at the top of the show, translate that into the spiritual life. Let today be the first day you pray the rosary every day if you're not doing it. Let today be the first day that you make a change. And worry about today. Do something positive. Make a positive change in your spiritual life today. And then tomorrow we'll worry about tomorrow. But you have to start somewhere. So why not today? Let's pray in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be world without end. Amen. Our Lady Queen of Peace, pray for us. St. Joseph, terror of demons, pray for us. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I want to thank Father Kirby for being with us, John Martinoni for being with us today, and Father Mark Goring for allowing us to share his words. For Covenant Network, I'm Adam Wright. You've been listening to Roadmap to Heaven. Don't forget to check out the replay on the podcast and share it with your friends. Until next time, pray your rosary.